Uh, Jake, I'd consider us friends, right? Um, more or less. I guess we've been friends for a couple of years now, like, give or take 20 or so. Would you say we're good friends? I'd say we're best friends. Best friends, hot dang! I know! Japan, America, we're still staying connected. I'd say we are awesome friends. I agree. So let's continue this awesomeness with an awesome episode all about friendship in Region Unlocked Season 2. Yeah! everyone welcome back to region unlock season two with another awesome episode talking about anything related to nostalgia and nerd culture and this time friendship with my amazing buddy cameron hey cameron how's it going uh, it's going really good jake i am very excited for this episode me too this, this is a great one i feel like this is long overdue <laughs> it is so Today's episode is going to be less about talking about a specific game and more of just a conversation between Jake and myself. We have been doing this podcast for over a year now, and it's been awesome, but I, st I don't feel like we've really dived into kind of like who we are, what makes us friends, what makes us love video games, and just, you know, how do we get here? Yeah, totally. And... Yeah, so Jake and I, really, we've just we've got a bunch of questions for each other. Some of them might get a little deep, others less so. <laughs> but uh, I'm just excited to see where this goes. Yeah, this will be cool. I kind of like the, I guess, the unique factor here. Like, we're doing something different, you know? Yeah, there's, yeah, there's going to be definitely video game conversation in here, but, like, it's not going to be the main focus, so... Yeah, we'll see where we go here. Yeah, I will I will say I'm excited because I think a lot of our episodes are too formulaic. Mm -hmm. We're just like, here's your facts, here's your memories, and maybe there's a game. So <laughs> this time it's just it's gonna be a lot more open-ended and much more free-flowing conversation, I hope. Totally. Conversations are great. And honestly, this is nice to have a very solid and deep conversation in English. Uh, I know that sounds crazy, <laughs> but like this is really nice right now. <laughs> Most of the day is just Japanese, so. Yeah, so how often do you even speak in English? Well, I do most of the day just at my workplace because, well, I have to teach English, so I have to speak English right. all day. But it's like very basic, very basic level, you know, getting the basics down. It's nothing deep. It's how's the weather? How are you? So oh. that's the, you, know, you might as well be speaking another language because you're not really uh, doing anything super advanced per se so so if you could give me a percentage like what percent of your day would you say you're speaking japanese oh let's see in the classroom and out of the classroom okay so on a typical work day i'd say it's like kind of 50 50 um in the classroom it's okay. all english outside the classroom it's kind of a mix but as soon as i'm out buying groceries going home, uh, doing anything outside the apartment, it's all Japanese, like almost completely yeah. Japanese. So it, it's a solid 50-50, uh, but there's very little chance to have a really deep conversation in English. So, Yeah. How well or how much do you think you've improved in Japanese since you've been there? Does it like flow really easily now for you? Much more so, I'd say. 
um, it's still exhausting because it's not my native language. But yeah, I mean, hey, if you can communicate and get the idea across, you're good to go. But one thing I've really noticed is like the stuff you learn in a textbook is so different from like standard conversational Japanese. And I'm sure that's true with a lot of languages. <laughs> But yeah. like, oh my gosh, I've almost completely relearned the Japanese language just because of the way I talk, you know, informal versus formal. Huh. So, yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> Could you give us a sample? Uh, say, give us a sentence in Japanese. Oh, let's see. Uh, <laughs> Hello, are you okay today or how are you? <laughs> I'm good. How do I, how do I say I'm good? Ah, daijoubu desu. Ah, daijoubu desu. Daijoubu desu. Daijoubu desu. So that means I'm okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sweet. But yeah, like, I guess something useful if you're ever out、uh, at a convenience store or a grocery store at the register, you'll be asked,、uh, you know, bukuro mote imasu ka? Like, do you want a bag? Bag is bukuro. So, usually I have my reusable bag. I say, hi, bukuro gaarimasu. <laughs> <laughs> so, there you go. That, that's awesome.、Mm-hmm. All right.、Uh, here's another fun fact about this episode, Jake, is that this episode comes out, people are currently listening to it on March 12th, which is right before your birthday. Right before my birthday. So, ha- ha- happy birthday, Jake. Oh, thanks, Cameron. I'm going to be 30 soon. Wow. Yeah, just a couple of days. So, what's so special about your birthday and the day that it is? My birthday is on March 17th, which is the lucky St. Patrick's Day. So, that's what's fun. That's about fun. It. Yeah, it, it is fun. But I've got a question for you、hmm. Is your birthday March 17th in Japan or is it March 18th? Oh, that is a very interesting question. Because technically it would be March 17th, because I'm living in the time of Japan, which is naturally a day ahead of America. Like we're 14 hours ahead here. So. Right. So I mean, it really <laughs> just matters how early in the day you were born on the 17th. Because you're, if you're born late in the day, then your birthday has effectively changed while you're living in Japan. Your、That's、birthday is March 18th. True. Never really thought about that. But yeah, so when you wake up on March 17th in Japan and go, it's my birthday, you, you got to think again because it might not actually be your birthday. That's true. And you know what I could do? I could just have my birthday in Japan and then fly instantly back to, to America and have my birthday twice. And no one could say a word、Please、about、do. it. Please do. That would be so fun. <laughs> oh, man. There you go, folks. If you want to have your birthday twice, go to Japan and have it and then come right back. Oh, that actually happened once、um, with、uh, the 4th of July. I was in Japan during the 4th of July and I flew back on the 4th of July. So I got to live Independence Day twice. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> so <laughs> I wouldn't be able to do that because I do know that I was born at 12 21 a.m. on my birthday. So that was still the same day in Japan. So it would not be the day after. Ah, okay. Gotcha. So it would have just been 2 21 p.m. Interesting. That's not really something I've thought about. I don't even know what time I was born. <laughs> like, hey, boom, St. Patrick's Day. That's all that matters. So, yeah. Cool. Well, I、yeah. hope you have a great birthday. Thanks. You're going to be 30, which I can tell you now, as a very experienced 30 year old, 
you are officially an adult once you become 30. That is the, the year, right? Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay, noted. I will keep that in mind. <laughs> now, I will say I don't feel any different. I still feel just as childish, but now I'm more of aware of my health problems. <laughs> That's important, I suppose. <laughs> Stay young at heart as you get old at heart. Yep. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> Oof. All right. So, yeah. Shall we dive in? Let's do it. All right. Let's, let's so, talk about us. Yeah. You're living in Japan. Mm-hmm. My first question for you is just take us through what is your typical day? Typical day, uh, like a work day or just like a living day? I I guess any day. So I feel like, so right now, uh, if people are friends with you on Facebook, you you give a lot of cool Mm check-ins all the time where we've got, um, I don't know, just you talking to the camera and kind of showing us around. But I want this to be like a cool, more in-depth look. What are... What are people not seeing that are just in those, you know, quick minute videos you're posting? What's Oh, what's okay. The dirty details. The dirty details. Uh well, a standard day in Japan consists of me going to the grocery store every couple days. Uh food here is usually a lot more fresh and you have to tend to go a little more frequently. Uh, You can't really stock up as much. Maybe that's just the area I live in, but I go and I buy my fresh fruit, fresh veggies, and usually I make my food all at home. And my home consists of an apartment, and it's it's very cramped in here, but it's typical Japanese style. And uh, that means that you've got your restroom, okay, which has the toilet, and then you've got your Mm -hmm. washroom, which which is basically a watertight room where you can bath and shower. So I've got that. That, that. That's like a pretty standard Japanese setup. And then I've got like my kitchen. That's where I make all my food every day. And it's it's right by the front door. Um, you've almost got the situation of everything being in the same area. And yeah. I sleep in a futon style bed that's basically on the ground. And it's really cozy and really warm. But uh, <laughs> yeah, that, that's... And then I play my video games. That's usually what I do during the day <laughs> uh, when I'm at home. But when I'm out and about... It's it's pretty standard to, I guess, living anywhere. You know, I, I go on walks and I try to find like a new old Japanese thing. And there's a lot of old buildings here that are very, I guess, traditional and fun to look at and have like a fun sign in front of them that has like a history. So I'll try to yeah. find a new one maybe once every few days. And if you walk by the road, there's shrines everywhere. Uh, so it's often fun to just find a new shrine as well. And people here are a little more... I guess, reserved. Uh, you won't ha- see a lot of people yelling like, hey, how's it going? A lot of people are <laughs> maybe just, you know, typically beelining somewhere uh, and won't give okay. you as much eye contact. But again, that's probably just the area I live in, which is a little more urban, I suppose. Okay. But um, most of the time, it's all Japanese. Everything is in Japanese. The only time I will speak English at a store, uh, at a uh, shopping center, at a, at a even at a video arcade is... If someone wants to practice their English and comes up and asks, hey, are you from America? Because they heard my accent. So, yeah. Also, to end the day, usually I go to a game center, which is a video arcade. And those are everywhere here. Um, Everyone goes to the video arcade to just relax and spend time and play the new version of whatever game that's out. So, that's a typical day. That's (laughs) interesting. Um, How has... COVID affected like arcades and things like that. 
people here are very aware of COVID and they're very, very health conscious. So people stay usually pretty far away from each other and they're open standard capacity, at least as of now, but you'll see people just naturally gravitate away from each other if they're too close. Um, I'm not sure honestly right now of the, I I, I guess the open status or how, how many people can be in in a place or what the capacities are, but people just typically stay away from from each other in general to stay healthy, at least right now with COVID everyone wears a face mask. And I mean Good. everyone. <laughs> and there's hand sanitizers everywhere. Everyone's washing their hands. No one's touching anything. So I, I'd say people are living their normal lives, just staying away from each other. But you said, so the arcades, like, that's pretty hands-on. Are those still normal? Yeah, as far as I know. I, I haven't seen much different. There's maybe a few less people. But again, okay. like, you're seeing disinfecting stuff everywhere. So people okay. are always disinfecting their hands. Well, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> I, I wish I could say people over here were as, you know, health conscious and courteous. But uh, you know what you're missing out on over here. <laughs> totally. It's pretty cool over here, I'd say, for many reasons. But Yeah, that's just, that's just another crazy thing is the fact that there's been such a huge, huge thing to happen in the world. Uh-huh. And that you've been experiencing it in a completely different place like to where you have no idea what it's like over here we don't know what it's like over there just so weird that that happened when it did for you especially yeah which was completely unprecedented and i had no idea this will all go down but it happened almost right after i left america (laughs) i know there's something else i don't know anything about america like what you just said last time i was in america was 2019 can you give us a lowdown of what it's like there (laughs) honestly (laughs) Oh my gosh. No, What's it like? <laughs> because no? I don't know the political leanings of the people listening. And it's just a, <laughs> it's a political hellscape really of just really? hostility. And I, I will say, honestly, like right now at the moment, um, our COVID cases are going down. They're actually back down to the point like where they were back when we first went into lockdown a year ago, last March. Mm-hmm. And that's awesome. I hope it continues, but I'm, just feel like we're gonna see that improvement and we're gonna get lax we're gonna start trying to be normal again and then we're gonna spike again but hey such is life that happens yeah that's happening here too you know spikes True. goes down spikes go down it just seems to be happening everywhere but anyway hey we want this podcast to be timeless and people don't want to be listening back to this 20 years from now They're like why are you talking about that silly pandemic we want to hear about video games and jake in japan <laughs> <laughs> Actually, no, this is kind of, this is kind of a cool diary of what's happening in the time. Yeah, it's a cool relic. It'll, it'll be a cool time capsule in the future. But anyway, exactly. okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, we're both teachers, aren't we, Cameron? We are. And we've been teaching for a few years now, at least. I'd say a few years at least. Yeah. What do you teach exactly? G- give us a lowdown of that. I've never really asked you about that at least on the air before (laughs) okay (laughs) so this is my sixth year teaching i teach high school engineering with a bit of middle school mixed in and it's a busy day i like every period is a different period i teach manufacturing where we do a lot of hands-on stuff in the shop we built uh some long boards this year that was a lot of fun 
Nice. And we're finished. We just finished up the very cliche uh, birdhouse project because every shop <laughs> class you have to build a birdhouse. Hey, but, that's a that's the gift that keeps on giving. Uh, yeah, exactly. To the birds. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I teach civil engineering, which is rough to teach that class. I actually missed the training for that at Purdue, but they let me teach it anyway. So. Uh, I won't say much more about that, but uh, I'm, I'm I'm getting through it. Nice. Um, I also teach principles of engineering, which is uh, a more advanced engineering class. I'm, I'm just kind of I should have started with the intro class, but I'm going in order of my schedule in my head. Mm. <laughs> but <laughs> principles of engineering again, we just get into like more advanced uh, 3D modeling. I teach how to build computers in that class, so mm. my Classroom is fully stocked now with uh, 22. No, maybe it's just 18. Oh, yeah, it's 18. So I have 18 like uh, gaming computers that were built by students. And uh, we play Overwatch on them after school sometimes. And it is great. And it is so cool that I got to teach that. That's just one really cool thing about where I teach is uh, it's very flexible with what I do. And if I can make it happen i I make it happen and it's a lot of fun uh next week we're starting rube goldberg machines which are always a lot of fun yeah (laughs) i'm very excited to see how that goes (laughs) let's find the most complicated way to put toothpaste on a toothbrush (laughs) (laughs) yeah well that's a good idea i asked them to figure out what they want it to do generally we do pop a balloon every year but (laughs) nice uh, i gave them the option and uh, it's they want to have it dunk in Oreo and milk. <laughs> That's awesome. I don't know if I'm gonna let them stay with that just because I don't want to deal with milk and Oreos every day. But <laughs> very practical-minded students, I, I would yeah. definitely support that. Yeah, it's like you just want me bringing in Oreos, and they're like, "Yeah, <laughs> that's but, true." Anyway, so they're gonna think of so, something else. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. So then, uh, then I teach intro to engineering design. That's where we do a lot of 3D modeling on the computers. We get to use 3D printers, print off their prototypes. And that's most of that class. It's probably my favorite to teach just because I know that stuff super well. Okay. And I'm really good at the 3D modeling. And then okay. I teach a seventh grade technology class, which I do not like at all. Oh, really? So that class, oh, yeah. So seventh grade, I get all the seventh graders throughout the year. They're on a nine-week rotation. So I teach the same class four times. Okay. And so I get all the seventh graders. And I'm kind of um, spoiled with my high school classes because it's an elective and it's all these like really smart people who chose to be in those electives. Uh-huh. In seventh grade, that's not the case. They have to be there. And so I, I've got a lot of discipline issues dealing with seventh graders just because <laughs> I'm not I'm not super experienced in it just because my high schoolers are so perfect for me that yeah. it uh, doesn't come up that often. So okay. that's but mostly the, my biggest problem with teaching the seventh grade class is it's just these quick nine week bursts. And because I'm so busy in those nine weeks, I don't really find ways to tweak it to make it any different each quarter. So I'm currently teaching that class for the, I think I'm on my 23rd time 
Oh, wow. Teaching that seventh grade class, right? Because okay. this is my sixth year of, and yeah, times four, but I haven't finished the sixth year. So yeah, 22 times. Okay. And then I was lucky enough this year that I actually got a study hall for my seventh hour. So I get, oh. I get to just relax during nice. that. Nice. Yeah, that's fantastic. And then I do teach one other class every other year, and that is engineering design and development. And that is the big senior capstone course. We spend the whole first semester where they have to find a problem that they want to solve, and they have to go through very thorough analysis of defining that problem, interviewing people, researching existing solutions, brainstorming, and coming up with a good solution, making a good prototype, and then they present it in front of a panel at the end of the semester. And that class is actually only four standards, so we hit those four standards pretty easily in that first semester. So then the second semester, we take everything they've ever learned through all of engineering and we build arcade cabinets in the second semester. Nice. And that is a blast. I love that. I love building the arcade cabinets. It was unfortunate because we got cut short last semester, last year due to COVID. So Uh I've still got, I've got four cabinets sitting, sitting in the corner of my shop that we just never finished. And it's like, oh. uh, I don't know what to do with these. So snap. It was a bummer. But anyway, wow. that's that's me teaching in a nutshell. It's a lot of fun. Nice. And we get to build some cool things. That that sounds really stinking fun. Uh, you know, I bet that arcade cabinet project was probably uh, influenced by you, right? <laughs> no, no, no. I don't know where you got that. <laughs> no clue, right? No, but that's that's pretty cool. And you've got a yeah. lot of experience building stuff in general, actually. Like, yeah. y- you built some pretty cool, pretty big projects. And I know you're really modest about it, but, like, y- you've, you've done some pretty cool stuff. Like, you build computers, you build really awesome bookshelves, arcade cabinets, like, really big projects. What, what got you started on that, to be honest? <laughs> huh, that's a good question. I'd say probably just it came with the job where I have this whole shop for me to practice in and I would want to basically learn things that I could then translate to students and and so that way I could like know the tools really well and know all these different things. Um, I also made you a really sweet wooden katana. I was super proud of that. That thing looked really dang good. But yeah, I think it's just having the shop and then at one point I stumbled onto instructables.com Mm-hmm. And it's just this really cool site of step-by-step guides that are all user-submitted. It's all these people who've taken the time to walk you through a project. And I saw this Legend of Zelda arcade cabinet someone made. And I thought, ooh, I could do that. And so my first arcade cabinet took forever. I built this cabinet all around Super Smash Bros. on Wii U. Okay. And I thought this would be so cool to play a Smash Bros. game with arcade sticks. And so I worked on that for a very long time. And it was very difficult because you can't use a standard arcade fight stick for Smash Bros. Because if you buy any fight stick for a fight game, the fight stick is wired to the D-pad. Oh. Because... Pretty much any fighting game, people prefer the D-pad. Yeah. And 
in Smash Bros, what's the D-pad do? D-pad does nothing. Like it taunts. You know, it, does it taunt? Yeah. Well, you can't fight with it. I know that. If you wait. exactly, so <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was that. That was so frustrating. It's like I've come all this way, and I can't figure out how to control it because everything I'm using is just taunting. So uh, I finally I bought these like trash Wii U controllers, tore them open, took out the control boards, and like individually soldered arcade buttons to each button on that, and had to like solder buttons to the joystick. So that way you could actually control it with a joystick and not with the D-pad. And it was so great. Yeah. Because of that, it just like I learned so much more about my shop, about uh, just like finishing, like making it look really good. I was fortunate enough uh, and still fortunate enough. My aunt runs a sign shop. (laughs) And so I was able to make decals on Photoshop, send them to her. She printed them off. And so the whole thing just looks incredibly professional. Yeah, and it does. <laughs> so yeah, building that first arcade cabinet was really like eye-opening where it's like, wow, I can actually make stuff that looks legit. And anytime I'd show it to anybody, be like, hey, look look at this picture on my phone. Look what I made. And they're like, oh, okay. So you found that and you just like, you put new stickers on it. I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> I built that from scratch. And everyone's blown away. So yeah, I've currently built I built that one. I built a small one-player one that just sits in my classroom. I built uh, a two-player one that's all themed around Super Nintendo. And that one I actually submitted on Instructables into a gaming contest and got second place out of a ton of submissions. So I got a wow. uh, 100 bucks and a t-shirt, which is pretty cool. Yeah, but that's second awesome. Second place. It, it felt good. So... Uh, if you look that up on Instructables, I don't even know what it's called, just like Custom Bar Top Arcade. Mm-hmm. Or if you look up School of Shop on YouTube, <laughs> which I've I've barely uploaded any videos to that, but that video's on there. It's a three-part video. And I'm pretty sure like part three has over 10,000 views on it. Oh, it's got 11,000. Do I does? Yeah, it does, as of yesterday. I mean, I checked. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. It is pretty cool. Comments are on it. Every once in a while, I get on to check the comments because I never even log on to that account anymore. Uh And it's all these painful questions where it's like, "What? What are the exact dimensions you used right here?" And I'll comment like, "Oh yeah, like I said in the video, like I just kind of made it up to fit what was going in it. Uh, As long as it, as long as you think it's going to fit, you'll be fine." Mm -hmm. And then they'll comment back like, "Okay, but so what are the exact dimensions? (laughs) Figure it out." Buy it. <laughs> That's all I do is I make this stuff up as I go. Yeah. Yeah, folks, check it out. It's it's pretty cool, some of the stuff. So That's awesome, man. You, you should start selling those. Like you, You'd make a lucrative business out of that, selling those arcade <laughs> cabinets. Yeah, I actually, I, the one I have in my office right here beside me, I actually initially built to sell to someone, but then we kind of parted ways. Ah. Gotcha. So then I got to buy it myself. Nice. And just like, oh, well, <laughs> yeah, I mean, if, if I must, you know, <laughs> I'll just hold on to it. <laughs> nice, man. That's pretty awesome. Uh, how about you? No, I don't not, build arcades. <laughs> <laughs> but you, you still do a lot of cool stuff. Um, you are super artistic. You used to teach art. Yes. When you were here in, in Indiana. Yes. 
what so what got you into that? How did you get so good at everything you draw and everything you craft and sculpt? It's awesome. Tell me well, about it. Uh, about the art projects in general? Oh gosh. Sure. Well, I, I've just always loved art. I don't know if there's any rhyme or reason to it or, or I don't know. It's just really fun. I just enjoy doing it. So I've been doing it as long as I can remember. And I guess when you do something for a while, I guess people start to notice and you start to get a little bit good at it. So yeah, I will pride <laughs> myself on that. I, I do enjoy art and I consider myself decent at art. You're, you're more than decent, I'll say. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> um, but since I've been here, I've not really had as many opportunities to do as much. I've been drawing some anime recently, just some random stuff, backgrounds, just general stuff, fighter poses to keep myself on it, top of things and to keep myself from getting too rusty. It's pronounced anime. 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 <laughs> Japanese word. Well, it's actually English animation. The Japanese took it and they just took the first part. Anime. Shen. So they took our word and then said it wrong. <laughs> Ridiculous. <laughs> they, they shortened it, made it easier to say. So animation to anime. Okay. Bingo. Anime. Yeah, there, there's where it came from. <laughs> but sculpting has always been the most fun of everything. Painting, drawing. Sculpting is the most fun. It's also the most expensive because art material is really expensive. Yeah. Since I've stopped teaching art, I've not had as many chances to do it. So, you know, yeah. every chance I get, I'll draw fun pictures on the board for the kids here at school now. Uh, that really connects with them. I guess that's one way to use art. Draw funny things on the board so that they pay attention. It usually works. But yeah, yeah. I was an art teacher in Indiana for five years, I think. And then a couple of those years were also spent teaching theater. Um, that's what mm -hmm. I majored in in college was theater. So got to teach art and theater for like five or six years there. And it was a lot of fun. I do miss that time. Um, yeah. I know I came to see a, a few of your shows. Yeah. And they were yeah, you did. great. They were fun. Well, thank you. It was It was a lot of fun. And we got to take some of our shows to some pretty big competitions. And we placed pretty high usually. And then twice we won or we got honors to go to the International uh, Thespian Festival and represent Indiana. We, we were the first in the wow. state. We only wow. were able to go once because getting there is very, very expensive. And uh, school in rural Indiana, as you might know, does not have a ton of funding for the arts generally. So, <laughs> <It's>, uh, <laughs> I suppose. But, dude, your school, I mean, how, how big was your school? Oh, gosh. Oh, I mean, it was like maybe a couple thousand kids altogether. A couple thousand. Dude, mine is like 600. And, and that's 7th through 12th. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Actually, that seems a little high now that I say that. I think it's a lot less than that. But, but it's the quality that matters. I'm sure right, all right, of right. them love their shop teacher. Or I should say tech teacher, not shop teacher. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not a shop teacher. That's an outdated term. Forgive me. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. I teach things in the shop. Know the difference. You teach technology. Now that is an awesome <laughs> thing. Yeah, I also miss acting too. I used to act a lot. All right. So tell me about that. You, obviously, to be, if you're a theater director, you probably have some experience in the theater and oh, acting. Yes. Oh, definitely. So, so. you 
actually, I don't know why I'm about to tell this all for you. You tell us. How'd you get started in acting? And uh, like, what are the highlights of that? Where did it take you? Got started acting my freshman year of high school, which was 2006. I took a theater class because it was the only class that was open. So I'm like, what the heck? I had no interest in theater and there was nothing I knew about it. Boom. A lot of it's history from there, but I loved it and started acting regularly in school, in productions, because it was a lot of fun. Found out that I can express myself well on stage. And I decided to go into theater in college. And uh, That's pretty cool. I guess a little of that was professional, because early in my college, it might have been late in high school, early in college, at some point around there, I got involved in a Wizard of Oz troupe um, called mm-hmm. the Spirit of Oz. And I hope they don't mind that I name drop them, but there's a little bit of uh, free publicity. So <laughs> <laughs> for many, many years, probably around 10, I was a professional Wizard of Oz character in a troupe that toured the country uh, almost literally. We've been from uh-huh. L.A. to the East Coast, New York, and everywhere in between. And what companies would do would typically hire us to uh, perform songs from the movie. Uh, we'd do meet and greets, and it would last all day, and we'd get paid for this. Mm-hmm. And it was fun. It was like living the dream, you know, of being an actor. Because <laughs> a lot of times, people were very appreciative and very gracious. I mean, as with any job, there's the downfalls, but I guess sure. the, the goods definitely outweigh the cons. But I yeah. was the cowardly lion for a while, and then I was the tin man. And then for a brief stint, I played the Scarecrow. So, uh, yeah, if, if you ever need me to play one of those characters, I, I'm <laughs> quite well trained in it. All the songs, we'd perform the songs, we'd perform a small version of the show, we'd do meet and greets, it, it just everything in between. So I was a so I, Yeah, I never really knew what to picture when you were doing <laughs> these things. Like, is it on stage? Is it in, amongst a crowd? What is it? Uh, it's whatever the client wants. And when I say client, I mean whoever hires us for the uh, festival, for the party, for the corporate events, for the uh, crowd of people, for any kind of events. Um, if they want a meet and greet, we'd stand there for seven hours a day with small breaks and we'd take pictures, sing songs, do requests, kind of like what a uh, theme park character would do. Okay. If they'd want a show, we'd usually perform like a small uh, review um, type version of the show, which is just the main songs and then little bits of the story thrown in there. I don't know if we ever performed the whole show, but usually people don't want that if they're going to be doing like an event. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes we do just the songs. Uh, the client would just want the song. So we'd sing all the songs and do all the dance moves and everything. And sometimes they just want pictures. So <laughs> okay. it, it depends on what the client wants, but we'd be flexible and we'd do whatever they wanted and we'd be the Wizard of Oz characters. And <laughs> I really miss that. You know, just seeing people's faces. That's the thing about Wizard of Oz. It's timeless. So everyone from, you know, the oldest people to the youngest people would be like, oh my gosh, I know who you are. And that's, <laughs> it wasn't like some just random character who is on a quick TV show that only kids know. Everyone knows right. Wizard of Oz. So that's what made it so fun. Yeah. so how'd you get pulled into that how'd you get that job initially well i had some friends who were doing it already and they needed a fill-in because one of the regulars couldn't do it they knew who i was so it was just a matter of hey you want to fill in Uh uh-huh boom i loved it 
apparently I did decent enough to where I could be a part of it for 10 years. <laughs> so yeah, I'd say so. <laughs> nice. Yeah. <laughs> did you ever meet anyone famous through it? <laughs> did we meet anyone famous? Yes, we did. We did an event in LA. It was actually downtown Hollywood at the uh, TCL at the time, TCL, uh, TCL Chinese Theater. And it was Ooh. a red carpet event, meaning it was the real deal. We were the guests of honor. So the paparazzi, the media was all there. And we were <laughs> celebrating the reopening of the theater with the 75th anniversary of The Wizard of Oz. And it was a celebrity event. I'll just tell you straight up, um, the cupcakes there were the Cupcake Wars cupcakes. Um, that was the <laughs> event. So uh, we got to eat Cupcake Wars cupcakes. Those were as delicious as they make it sound. Let's see, Kevin Sorbo, who played Hercules a long time ago on a TV show um, in the 90s, yeah. if you know who uh -huh. he is. He, he, he and his family Disappointed! were Disappointed! <laughs> Wait, that might be something else. No worries. Is that from the, is that from the Hercules? We'll, we'll say yes. Disappointed! Him and his family took pictures with us. And I looked up at this guy and I'm like, what do I know you from? And he just kind of looked back at me like, what? Who, who are you? <laughs> and then, yeah, I, I think uh, I was like, oh, okay. I made this face like, oh, yeah. It's nice to meet you. And he's like, it's nice to meet you too. But, um, yeah, I recognized him. Mario Lopez and his daughter were there. <laughs> so I got to meet Mario Lopez and his nice. daughter. And they just walked up to us and they were like, hey, can we have a picture? And I was the cowardly lion at the time. And I guess my makeup looked really scary because I made his daughter cry. <laughs> she took one look at me and she's like, no. I'm sorry, uh, Mr. Lopez, I made your daughter cry. But that's typical with the lion because it's, he's not yeah. very human-like. I mean, he is, but it's kind of like this uncanny valley thing. He looks like a person and an animal. So Yeah. And uh, your <laughs> wardrobe, you like you looked spot on for sure. Thank you. We prided ourselves on accuracy. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, famous people, a few. Most people considered us the famous people. <laughs> They're like, oh my gosh, I get to meet the lion or I get to meet the Tin Man. Something like that. Yep. Okay. Yep. Happy to meet you too. That's awesome. It really was. That's Wizard of Oz for you. It was fun. I miss it. Maybe I'll get to do it again someday, but. You, you just might. There's no place like home. There's no place like home. Okay, so. Cameron, you've got a lot of experience, like, making videos, podcasts, and music. Uh, you handle most of the, I guess, production side of this podcast. On top of most that, of it? All of it. I know. I'm just the exotic <laughs> accessory here. Uh, <laughs> you, you've also got a lot of experience making videos. And, I mean, heck, dude, you're a, you're a musician. Uh, so, like, eh. no, no, don't, don't, eh, you play instruments. Sure. Talk about that. What got you started in that? And why is that such, uh, I guess, a fun deal for you? Uh, so, so, like, just making these media projects. Yeah. Um, so I will I will say, just off the bat, I, I used to try to write music. I haven't in a very long time. I think the last song I wrote was for my wedding. Okay. It was, it was a super charming song, of course. But Yes, it was. It was adorable. <laughs> that was, like, five and a half years ago. <laughs> um, I've recorded some stuff since then, uh, nothing that I've ever like ever completed, but I do play drums and guitar and I think I'm a, a pretty decent singer. 
Oh, but encore. Uh, <laughs> encore. No, I shouldn't clap. Thank you. <laughs> uh, so no, I haven't actually. I haven't made music in a long time. But so the other things you said, like videos and the podcast. I don't know. I just I really enjoy editing and like learning new things about it, trying to make things look like it's super high quality. Mm-hmm. Uh, for example, back years ago, our school used to do announcements, like these video announcements, and they were just awful. They were just recorded on these garbage iPads with terrible sound, terrible video. And I just asked the teacher in charge, I'm like, hey, can, um, can I start doing them on Fridays? Like, can I just... Me and uh, this other teacher, Mr. Plains, like, we'll, we'll just do it on Friday. She's like, yeah, that's fine. So we started, it's called Friday on the Frontier, Frontier <laughs> being our school. And that slowly just evolved and evolved and became a show just like about the school itself and about the students and not about uh, the announcements. So that gave us more freedom to expand what we did, what we recorded, and also released us from that timeline of putting one out every Friday. And instead we just started releasing them on like big events, like homecoming and holidays, okay. things like that. And it really, I, I got good at it. I feel like it felt like a very genuine like show, like, or YouTube channel that you could find. And I thought I did a really good job and it was just fun to do where kids were asking me about it all the time. Like, Oh, when's the next episode what's going to be on it? And I actually took a break from it this year just because last year got really stressful trying to hit the dates because, because it, and this is a, a fault of my own, I was very hesitant to release control of that to students because it was it was mine. Like, I made this up. Everything <laughs> I'd done was mine. All the editing was mine. I would just, a few teams I trusted to to go shoot their own silly ideas, but I did all the editing. And it would stress me out trying to get them out on time. And it just worked out this year that with COVID that there's like nothing going on at the school worth recording or worth interviewing kids about. So I've taken a break. I might come back to it later, but yeah, it's just, it's fun to do that. And I've done a couple weddings now where I've been the videographer at a wedding and those are, that's even more stressful. Oh my gosh. It's fun when it's all said and done and you've made a decent product, but the pressure of making sure you get those perfect shots, because those are once in a lifetime shots. Yeah. And if you screw it up, you screwed it up for good. Mm. But anyway, and then another part that it's, it's a double-edged sword being good at editing, especially at a school. They, they throw so much on me where it's like, Oh, uh, we have to do graduation virtually. Oh, we'll just send that to Mr. Noon and he'll edit it. (laughs) It's like, uh, I didn't agree to that. It's like, oh, we have to do a virtual open house. Each teacher, you need to record something about yourself and then send that to Mr. Noon and he'll throw that together. It's like, oh, you didn't ask me. Throw and it together. Ha- <laughs> yeah. I've had teachers like send me these hour-long band clips. I'm like, okay, can you edit out the, the part at the beginning and the part at the end? Just like, no. I mean, yes, I did it. But it's like, what? this is Windows Movie Maker crap. Like, you could have done this on your own. Wow. Yeah, you're the catch-all. Everyone just expects you to do it because the quality is so high. Exactly. <laughs> Shoot, man. <laughs> and the podcast, I really, I take pride in what we're doing here. And I spend a lot of time editing this. 
And believe it or not, all of you out listening, Jake and I are, we're not expert speakers. And I have to go through and listen to the whole episode first. And I have to cut out a ton of just like awkward pauses where we're not transitioning well, where we've got too many ums or just awkwardness of us talking over each other. I got to like mute me or raise the volume here, put in gaps, put in transition music and try to, I, as you know, I like, I load these up with music just to make them a little more immersive to make you think back to the game we're talking about. Mm -hmm. And that takes time. It takes a lot of time. Yeah. And um, right now I'm at the point where I'm not ahead on any episode. So like by that, I mean, when we take a break, usually I'll edit like five episodes ahead, so I won't have to worry for a little bit. But right now, like, <laughs> I'm working every week to make sure I get an episode edited so it can release on Friday. It's yeah. fun, but each episode could take some can take me up to three hours to edit. Wow! Just because I'm I'm listening through it at a snail's pace, just like constantly pausing. All right, pause. Cut that. Cut that. Cut that. Uh, I should find some music to put there. Uh, this was a super awkward transition. Let me find a song to <laughs> to put as a transition instead. Yeah. That's an art right there. It is. And that's and something. Oh, go ahead. I was just I I think I'm doing a good job. But man, no one's leaving us reviews, so I don't know. Leave us a dang review. You a don't have to job. write anything. <laughs> just just give us the five stars and move on. <laughs> You're doing a great <laughs> job, man. That's something Thank you. a lot of people don't think about how much work goes into editing, like the post-production, like th this is the easy stuff, but you, you handle the hard stuff. And for that, you are very much appreciated. And I try oh, to do you. my best to help supplement that and not, you know, be to a total burden. But uh, yeah, <laughs> folks, a, a lot of time goes into these. Just think about that. So thank your local podcaster. <laughs> yeah. Are, are you trying? Because oftentimes, people, I'm like, all right, I'm going to set aside some time. I'm going to sit down. I'm going to start editing. I get everything pulled up. And I'm like, ah, Jake didn't upload his audio. And yeah. then I got to message Jake, and it's like 2 a.m. in Japan. Like, hey, where's your audio? <laughs> I'm just like, oh, yeah, I'll send it in a week or whatever. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you're right. Uh, I, I'm definitely guilty of that, of being a little bit lazy in that regard but try to be much better <laughs> it's okay so i'll send this to you in just two weeks from now that's yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, hopefully that's enough time <laughs> yeah but yeah man yeah, your, your work is appreciated thank you absolutely all right next question for you besides the people and me Mm -hmm. What do you miss most about America? Well, I do miss the culture that I was born and brought up in. It mm -hmm. is nice to, you know, see the vast rolling plains of cornfields and the <laughs> grand sunsets of the flat Midwest. I do miss that. Also, just the, I, I miss the opportunity to speak English regularly Japanese is great, but it does get a little bit cumbersome sometimes when it's constant because it's not my native language. And yeah, it is nice to speak English more often. So I miss those opportunities. 
yeah, I downloaded a flight simulator recently just so I could fly over. Like, <laughs> <laughs> is it the new one? No, it's actually uh, it's Flight Gear. It's the open source free one. But oh, okay, I tried to max out the settings so to give to give the full Midwestern effect. Be like, hey, I remember that. I, I can fly from <laughs> here to here because I know the roads and just for fun. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Yeah, you're rocking a pretty old graphics card in that laptop aren't you <laughs> probably More or less. wasn't the best max settings no no it's not i need a new laptop but i need to order one online if you don't know electronics in japan are very expensive typically computers uh and tvs i don't know exactly why but i think it has something to do with like the taxing of uh imported products but yeah. if you if you want a decent tv or computer here you will be uh, at a retail store you'll be paying around and i kid you not double the price of the exact product like say in america so Ugh. i've been a little bit hesitant and slow to get a new laptop because of that but i think it's a 960m my laptop 960 so i think the m just means it's mobile for laptops so yeah that's a it's a four-year-old card that it's not bad definitely no. But it's but, no RTX thirty seventy. No, it's not. I can I can run <laughs> Skyrim at max settings, but after that, you start to see chugging. Anything. Okay, so it's it's a great three sixty generation card. Yes, it's a good three sixty generation card. All right. So, yeah, still some good stuff on there. Cool. Yeah, totally. Right, so Cameron, when did you enter the nerd culture void? <laughs> what a weirdly phrased question. When did you start getting interested in this stuff? That, I mean, that's a very difficult question to answer because I was born into it, <laughs> you know? Molded by it. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's an answer, though. That's a fair answer. Like... <laughs> Longer than you can remember. There you go. Yeah. So I was trying to pinpoint it exactly. And my guess would probably be either whenever I first saw Star Wars, which I don't know when that was. Okay. Or like first playing in N64. And just being hooked on Mario 64. And I think it's, you know, it was history from, from that point on. Okay. And it's a void because once you start it, you can't avoid it. <laughs> I thought it was, it's because it's endless and you're just pouring in money to it like it's, it's this void that's, sucking up everything that's more accurate actually <laughs> boom what about you same answer probably when I first played the N64 back in 97 or something like that which is around the same time you did and from there yeah. it's been a, an endless demand of Nintendo merch and video games and Stuff that makes me seem very dorky. Yes. And, well, it's led me here. There you go. Okay. Okay. Totally. So, Cameron, uh, I guess, well, well, this kind of leads us into the next question. It's a good segue. Uh -huh. uh, you have a lot of really good, really dorky, really nerdy, awesome collections of merch, of collectibles, of stuff that is, like, really cool. Tell us a bit about those. Which one is your favorite? Okay. Can you give us an answer? Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I don't know if I can tell you a favorite. Okay. But 
I have definitely wasted lots of money on collecting things. Invested. I'd say currently what I have <laughs> invested. Yeah, I'm never selling them for anything <laughs> at some point. Um, but at this point, I have quite the extensive Lego Star Wars collection of all the ships. Yeah. To the point where it's like, I don't, I don't know what's left. I don't know what I want. Because <laughs> I think it was last Christmas, I got like four Lego sets. I got an ATST. I got a Y Wing. I got the Slave One. And I got the Millennium Falcon. Like it was, I kind of felt bad after that. It's like, I'm too old for <laughs> all this stuff, but I, I loved it. But the, the thing that stinks about Legos, Legos as an adult, is that they're so much fun to build, but then you just put them on display and, and that's it. It's like, I'm not, what am I going to do with this after that? But I'm glad I'm not a kid breaking it at the same time. Fair. So I don't know. I'm, I'm guessing at some point I'll take them all apart because I save all the instruction booklets, of course. I'll put them all in a baggie and then give them to like a future kid. <laughs> say, hey, you get to build these now. I don't know. So that one's definitely probably got the most money in it. Okay. Uh, I also collect quite a few Funkos, which <laughs> I think Funkos are very silly. <laughs> a big, big waste of money. I think especially to the people who just like buy any Funko and not like part of a set. Because it is insane how many exist, how many licenses they have. Yeah. It's ridiculous. So, at school, I have all of the, like, standard Overwatch Funkos. And by standard, I mean, like, I don't have any that are, like, alternate skins or alternate poses or anything like that. Mm -hmm. It's just, like, the main character for Overwatch. So, that's, like, 32 Funkos. So, $320, basically. Whoa. (laughs) Fancy. I also buy Lindsay a lot of the Harry Potter Funkos for her classroom. Um, she had been buying me Lord of the Rings ones for a collection here at home, uh, but I didn't get any for Christmas this year. So oh. I, I, maybe she forgot that she was doing that. <laughs> but then also they just uh, they just started putting out punk, uh, Pokemon Funkos. Oh, yeah. And they're releasing them in very small batches at a time where it's just like four Pokemon at a time. And it's just like, uh, are you gonna, are you gonna release all 151? Because that would kill me. Because oh. if if they're all out at once, if they're all out at once, like there's no way I'm like I'm not gonna buy all those. But when they keep putting them out in little batches, it's like, oh yeah, I can. I'll grab three. I'll, <laughs> yeah, I'll grab that. So currently, I've got the starters, Pikachu, Mewtwo, and Arcanine. Or sorry, just uh, Growlithe. Okay. Um, I think that's... Oh, and Cubone. But then I just pre-ordered, I think, like, Psyduck and Meowth and Raichu. Oh, and Mew. Gosh dang it! There's too many! Oh, man. <laughs> uh, there goes more money. Any kids listening? I don't know what the moral of the story is, but... Uh, just understand, you're spending <laughs> a lot of money, and it's going to add up what? like crazy. Once you get a job and you think like, hey, I can buy all the stuff I've always wanted, you might need to ask yourself, does it really matter? (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, so aside from Funkos, I'd say probably the most proud I am would be of just any 
relics of like old Nintendo stuff I ha- still have. So okay. I still have, I think I've got five boxes, original N64 boxes, and I've got them in like a nice plastic protector. So I, I've got uh, Rayman 2, Donkey Kong 64, Smash Bros, Banjo-Tooie, and Super Mario 64. So I still have those original boxes. I also have an original box for a black N64 controller. Okay. And at a certain point, I just I didn't destroy any boxes anymore just because I knew it's like, oh, I need to keep these. Uh-huh. And unfortunately, I don't know what happened to my GameCube box because I know I did not throw that away, but huh. now I don't know where it is. It's not in my closet at home because I know I held on to that for a very long time. Hmm. Um, but I still have like my original Game Boy Advance box. Okay. Game Boy Advance SP and all of that. So I'm anything cardboard Nintendo I've tried to hold on to. So I'm I'm happy for those things that I still have. Wow. Now that's that's rare. That was the first thing to go when we were kids. We chucked those boxes. You still have the cardboard boxes. <laughs> yeah. And I at one point I had more. I think they just got lost. Okay. Because I, I just had them all like collapsed and yeah. like stuffed at the bottom of a box. Maybe a few of them just got too torn up. Hmm. But anyway, uh, you're cow. also a, a pretty avid collector of stuff. I know your old room back in Kokomo was full of collectory things. So tell <laughs> us about that. The stuff that I collect. Oh gosh, I have too many. I don't even remember at this point. <laughs> what do I collect? Uh, I've got a few Funkos. Um, I, I used to collect Japanese merch. But I don't need to do that anymore. It just kind of comes with the <laughs> comes with the daily diamond life. Diamond dozen, yeah, diamond dozen, exactly. Uh, so I love collecting artifacts. I'd say some of those collections are my favorite. Uh, I have a collection yeah. of ancient Roman coins. I love co- I love collecting coins, and my Roman coins are my favorite because they're the oldest, obviously, and they're the most fun to to actively work with because you get to like. <laughs> clean the dirt off of them and over a thousand years the dirt really crusts like badly uh-huh. so part of the fun is you know which emperor is on this one like oh uh, that's, that's crazy yeah it, it is pretty fun and you can get them pretty cheap too a lot of times over in europe they will um unearth them or farmers will dig them up in their fields just in in the hordes because they were so common the, Rom- the roman empire was huge and you can get these for fairly cheap 10 for 10 bucks even uh, in some instances, oh, if they're wow. if they're really like in bad shape or they're super crusted because no one wants to take the time to clean them up, mm-hmm. so that I also have a collection of Neolithic tools. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what is that? Like um, ancient spear points, arrowheads, and even like stone oh, okay. tools that just are fun to find every once in a while um, from wherever. But I'd say I, my favorite. Uh, yeah, my favorite is my movie prop collection. So uh-huh. I've got a collection of movie props that I've probably spent way too much on. but Probably. <laughs> yeah, probably way too much. And I've got no regrets because, I mean, hey, they're movie props. So, What's I've your got, most proud prop? My most proud prop. I have a chunk of the original Death Star from Star Wars Episode Four that they used when they were filming the close-up shots of the surface of the Death Star, and it's made of mm-hmm. painted foam. And that one cost me the most. I'm not going to say how much because it's embarrassing. But <laughs> let's see. Another, I've got... I will say, you gave me a piece. 
I did. I cut a little piece off for you because I'm like, hey, Cameron would appreciate this. And I thought that uh -huh. would be. So, yeah, there's that. And there's even a picture of where it was, uh, a production photo. Mm -hmm. You can see it. So what else do I have? I have a couple of flyers from The Greatest Showman that Hugh Jackman was handing out at the train station. And that okay. they got thrown down to the floor and they got trampled on. Uh, you gave us <laughs> one of the frozen yogurt cups from Stranger Things Season 3. Oh, that, uh, yeah. That Steve Harrington works at. Yes, uh, Stranger Things. So after that, after Season 3 ended, like, you go online and tons of props from the show were just on sale. And that's the time to buy them because they're usually a little cheaper. Like, yeah, the demand is okay. high. But no one realizes how much these are going to go up in value or rarity or whatever. So you just you cash in on it. Like, yeah, boom. Buy them up. <laughs> so that's my strategy. I think the coolest one or the most recognizable one is the remote from The Hunger Games. I bought Katniss's remote from the movie The Hunger Games when she goes into her uh, room for the first time. And uh -huh. like she brings up the projector. So I have that remote. <laughs> as weird as it sounds, uh, it belongs to me now. I bought it straight from the studio. Do you know how many existed? Or is that the only one? Only one. But ah! yeah, it was broken when I got it, so no one really wanted it, I guess. And there was a bit of a discount, but like I've got it. That's pretty dang cool. Yes, and FYI, that whole like bit of it lining up, it, it, that was all CGI. It's just a plastic shell. Whoa. So, Whoa. yeah, it's it's cool. I it's love moving fake. props. It's a fake. Yeah, it doesn't turn <laughs> on. So there you go, collections. We have a lot Very of collections, cool. don't we, Cameron? <laughs> <laughs> we do. <laughs> we spend too much money on stuff. <laughs> yep. Got a whole room that I don't even use, just full of stuff. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, by the way, when you do come to Japan, because I know you will one day, I guess maybe it's not a good idea that you go to the Pokemon Center, because they have literally every single Pokemon plushie. Oh, I don't care about plushies. Oh, That's you don't fine. Care? I won't buy those up. Okay. As long as there's not Pops, right? Or Funko Pops. Right. Okay. <laughs> You are good then. So uh, let's go ahead and, and pivot a little back, board, back towards season two with uh, some video game questions here. And yes. this is a question you wrote. I'm going to ask you. Okay. What is your favorite video game that is not so popular to the public eye? So an underrated hit. Okay, uh, does the genre, no, not the genre, does the era matter, like the generation? So I have an answer for modern and for GameCube. Okay, so for GameCube, it might be a toss-up between The Hobbit and Star Wars Rebel Strike. Both were games that did not get good reviews and were not well-received. <laughs> but at the time, I didn't care about reviews, so I played the crap out of them and they've got that you know internal kind of pathos type deal going on in my heart like they're they're a part of me because i enjoyed playing them when i was younger and didn't really know much about gameplay quality so yeah, i understand <laughs> the hobbits before the movies came out was uh criticized because yeah like it plays through the whole story of the hobbit but it it seemed at the time i guess like too much of a clone of the Wind Waker, which came out around the same time, like the art style and everything. Oh, really? But the gameplay was not quite as there. I didn't, I've never played the Wind Waker at the time, so I didn't right. know what to compare it to. And therefore, 
I just love playing The Hobbit. Like, ooh, prequel to Lord of the Rings. This is fun. So there's my answer cool. with GameCube. Modern? Oh, gosh. I have no clue. <laughs> That's difficult. I'm going <laughs> to throw the question back to you, Cameron. What about your okay. <laughs> opinion? So for GameCube especially, <laughs> this was a hard question because, uh, as I said before, the GameCube hit in such a time where... I was old enough to be trading games, going to game exchange all the time. And so mm-hmm. actually so many games went through my hands that I owned and then traded and I no longer remember that I ever owned them. Oh. So regretfully, one of these on this list is Pitfall Harry, The Lost Expedition. <laughs> and yes. when this game came, did you play this? Yes, you introduced it to me. I loved this game. Yeah, I liked it too. But... uh I was kind of mocked for that and it didn't get the best reviews immediately. So basically it's kind of like, I don't know, is it kind of like a Tomb Raider game? It's this Explorer game. But what stood out to me is I played Pitfall with my dad on his ColecoVision mm-hmm. and it's like, ah, oh, there's a, there's a sequel to this game I was playing with my dad <laughs> and I had to have it. And mm-hmm. I remember talking it up, but the previews weren't looking good and friends were kind of mocking me. They're like, oh, here's your game. It's, it looks like crap. And <laughs> I thought it was, a, it was a very good like action adventure game for the yeah. time. It probably doesn't hold up well anymore. But as I actually looked it up recently today, it's got a pretty decent score on Metacritic. Okay. I was surprised just because I thought everyone hated it. Yeah. But that wasn't the case. It's a good game. It's fun. It's funny, too. I don't remember, but good. Yeah. It's sitting at a, a 70 on Metacritic Okay. From, from critics and then an 8.6 user score. Oh, but only based off of 26 ratings. It's not <laughs> the most reliable, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> People like us get on there and are like, this game's amazing. Yeah. Anyway, so that game was good. And then one that might not have been underrated, but Custom Robo. Okay. Did you ever play that? I did not. I've heard about it. remember reading about so, it in a pamphlet once. Custom Robo is this little arena-based uh, just robot fighting game where you customize a robo. You throw on like a different gun, a different body type, uh, different bombs that it shoots, and you just kind of have this battle with two to four players in okay. this little cool arena. And it's very Japanese to the point where the story outside of all of the fights basically just plays out like a 3D visual novel. Okay. And I really loved it. It's just this silly sci-fi story. And there's these big parts in the game where I bet I sat and just read, just progressed the dialogue for like 20 to 30 minutes. Okay. Just reading. And of course, it's this GameCube Japanese game. So it's just... (laughs) As the text, you know lays out on the screen yeah but i i really loved the story of that game nice and it was a lot of fun awesome well good and then i, I will throw in a modern game that i don't think is that i think is underrated and that's the dishonored series which if, if you've played dishonored you're going to be thinking the camera what are you talking about that game's incredible and uh-huh. you're right but for some reason i just i don't feel like a lot of people have played it and it's one of my best my favorite series of all time. It's basically a beautiful hybrid of Bioshock and Assassin's Creed. 
where you're sneaking around levels in first person, uh, but you've got like cool powers and weapons you can use. And there's three games, Dishonored 1 and 2, and then Death of the Outsider is kind of like a standalone expansion. And if you have not played those games, you absolutely need to play it. And I remember you and I went to Game Exchange once back in Kokomo, and I'm like, Jake, buy this game, buy it right now. We went back to your house and started playing it, and I'm pretty sure I just ended up like taking the controller from you <laughs> and like beating the first level, and I don't think you ever touched it after that. No, I don't think I did. <laughs> you were really good at it, though, that's for sure, and I was just kind of fumbling around. <laughs> Yeah, it is so much fun. So it is very creative because like all these people you have to assassinate or you can find a way to keep them alive too. There's just Mm -hmm. so much option in the game of how you play it. Are you ruthless? Are you a savior? Um, You can set up how you're going to take people down in so many different ways to where every time I've played it, you can play it completely differently. And that's why I love it because it's so replayable. Nice. That's awesome. I'm glad you uh, had some fun time playing that. I, I can't think of a effective one to say for the modern generation. I'm sorry. That's all right. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. Underrated games. Um, but let's talk about a game now, or maybe multiple games, that had an amazingly profound impact. Maybe like one amazing game that has had perhaps the most impact on you, or maybe two games or something. Uh, Cameron, uh-huh. do you have a game that has had like the most impact on you just of all time or maybe two games or something? <laughs> that is tough. There's some good games. Uh, I'd say for one, like God of the new God of War. That mm-hmm. story is incredible. Uh, obviously, both The Last of Us 1 and 2. Yes. But the main one, the biggest emotional impact would absolutely have to be the Mass Effect series. Oh, okay. And Mass Effect is just incredible. It took a lot of flack for how it ended the last game, which I understand to an extent. I don't hate it because of it. But those games, when I played them, when I played them, I did not stop playing them. Okay. Until I was done. Like, I I would get up, I would go into that game, live in that game, and then go to bed. And so, like, I've always... I've always just gone through these like two days of like this is all I'm doing I'm playing Mass Effect and like seriously just the amount of depth that that game has with conversations and emotional choices and weight I seriously just felt like I'm living in this game to the point where oh my gosh the third game has such heavy decisions or just these conversations where like I I almost teared up actually I might have teared up at the, there's this conversation with Garrus at the third one where you're just basically saying goodbye to each other because you're most likely about to die. Wow. And it was, it was too much. But then I think one of the biggest moments is you have to make these romantic choices. Well, I guess you don't have to throughout <laughs> the game. And in the first game, I chose to end up with this girl, Ashley, your choices are Ashley or Liara, and Liara's like this alien who's pretty dang cool. And throughout the games, you realize Ashley kind of sucks, and Liara's pretty cool. And I had played through it multiple times, and other times I've chosen Liara, and it's like, oh, like, yeah, she's the right choice. But when Mass Effect 3 came out, I said, okay, 
I have to stick with my first run-through. I want to see my first run-through through to the end. Because, if you didn't know, all of your saves like transfer from game to game, and all your decisions in previous games matter in subsequent games. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, so I chose Ashley in the first one. I have to choose her in this third one, too. But you come to this point where you meet Liara, and she basically just, like, gives you that choice. She's like, okay, like, should we be together or not? Uh-huh. And I seriously just stopped and stared at the screen. No joke, probably 10 minutes just of that weight weighing on me. Oh. Where it's like, I don't know. Like, I, as much, as weird as it is to say it, I was, like, in love with Liara. Like, in, yeah. in real life. My uh-huh. me- my head, it was so attached to living in this game. It was like, I do love Liara, but I kind of want to I want to finish this playthrough with Ashley. And I just, I just stood there just staring at it (laughs) forever. And then finally I chose, no, I'm not going to, I'm going to go back with Ashley. And I always regretted that. So in my real canonical head canon, (laughs) I've always been with Liara. Okay. But, and that was just so weird. It's weird. I mean, I know how that sounds like being in love with a video game character, but that's how immersive the series was. That's a and that's when the I way. spent yeah when I spent those two days living in that game like why why wasn't it real you know because it it sure felt like it that's what a good story does to you it gets you invested mm-hmm. like yeah it, for for the past thousand years that medium has been books or like you know oral stories but video games can tell just as emotional of a story. I mean, just Absolutely. <laughs> with the way it invests you. And if you've got a good writer, gosh, that, that'll get you. So, no, I totally feel you there. Yeah. And so I'll just take this time to plug the Mass Effect, like, uh, legendary collection. I don't remember what it's exactly called. But the full collection is coming out in May, I want to say. Okay. With all the DLC, all the content. And it is, if you have not played it and you like good action you like sci-fi like absolutely play this game okay nice i think you will love it do i still have your 360 copies of Mass you Effect? have those do i yeah you lent them to me i thought Lindsay's brother had those no i'm pretty sure i still have them back in indiana <laughs> you lent those to yes, me yes you must i i have been wondering where those were they are at my old house, sitting in a box <laughs> somewhere, I'm sure. But I've got them. All right. I guess you better hurry home and get those for me. I guess so. Better uh, get my passport out and get that ticket ready. <laughs> no, I'll absolutely be buying that collector's edition when it comes out and playing through them again. And that's another part of why I love it so much is, I mean, it's so much to say about this game. But it's actually part of what got Lindsay and I together. Oh yeah. I just I just finished Mass Effect 3 and I had so much to talk about. I I just like I needed to talk to someone and we were just friends and we were on a road trip and I just I had to say so much about Mass Effect 3. I was like, "Let me tell you about this stuff, the stuff that happened and I'm so immersed in it." And we just decided to just start playing through it where like once or twice a week she and her roommates would come over and we played through the whole trilogy where I did all of the gunplay, but then she would do all of the just like walking around on the ship and talking to people 
and making those conversational decisions. And it was it was so great. And that is a huge part of what brought us together. Wow. That, that is like perfect. That is like yeah. the perfect like way to, you know, get to know someone and spend time with them. Holy cow. So Mass Effect is one of the big reasons why you got married. Yeah, I'll I'll tribute that. That's kind of that's kind of amazing, not going to lie. <laughs> wow. Talk about like the perfect date. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Just saying. That's fantastic. All right, so what about you? What's had that uh, impact on you? One game? There's not one game. There, there cannot be. <laughs> I know. Well, like you were talking about, there are many games for many different reasons. Most recently, I guess in this past year or so, has been one of my most uh, self-aware years where I've really kind of become the person I've you know dreamed to be just because I've been okay. in another world and in very strange circumstances. And that being such a difficult time, there have been a couple of games that have really helped me get through that. And for those reasons, I might consider those maybe the best right now in my life. Okay. Uh, one of them being Red Dead Redemption 2. And I know oh. that is probably a high one on many people's lists. But for yeah. me, it's almost been an escape back to America. Because it takes place in the early American or the late American frontier. And like just w- the graphics have been so amazing just to walk around and check things out and be like hey this is the midwest hey this is the south and yeah. it's just it's been a fun way to immerse yourself and that game was built for immersion like every mm-hmm. little action it, it was not meant to be streamlined it's it's meant to be played through and it too has a very thought-provoking emotional story that gets you really invested uh so yeah. that game i still pop in just just so i can walk around and talk to people and be a cowboy <laughs> basically yeah <laughs> so and i also had some experience playing red dead redemption one which was nice which is a nice lead-in because rdr2 is a prequel but that might be the runner-up the number one would have to be the last of us part one okay that game obviously a lot of people would agree but at a time when i was very solitary felt like i was losing myself and felt alone in this country, I needed a good story to relate to and to get lost and immersed in. And that was yeah. there for me. And it inspired me ultimately to continue writing. Because before I came to Japan, I was a huge writer. I love writing stories, writing plays, writing stories. It's just fun. It's a great way to express yourself. And then I ran away because I thought, oh, this is not practical. No one's going to read this junk. But The Last of Us helped me realize the value of a good story and how much of an emotional impact it can have on someone. And yeah, yeah, the second one is great. Don't get me wrong, it's a lot of fun, but it did not have that initial emotional impact. Like, you expect The Last of Us Part Two to be amazing. I didn't know what to expect with the first one. Right, right. Boom, right in your face. Wow, this is amazing. This is a real story. And yes, I've shed a few tears, quite a few tears playing that game, multiple times. <laughs> So, yeah, I was able to go back and platinum The Last of Us Part 2. I still have not platinumed Part 1, mainly oh, because really? I want to keep that, I guess, sense of unpredictability. Like, I want something to keep moving forward to with that game. I want something to keep, keep me playing it, because after I bait it, boom, what else can you get? 
I want something to that's awesome <laughs> keep finding in that game yeah so, the last of us part one that game is very near and dear to my heart so yeah that's awesome you you can understand why that's a very good game absolutely <laughs> the, the biggest thing about these games you wish you could bottle up that feeling of when you initially played them and initially had those feelings and you yeah. wish that could be replicated but it can't you can only ta- you can only talk about it in the memories it initially had but it doesn't have that same e- same effect or, or in your case the same mass effect um <laughs> here we are getting nostalgic yeah. again okay anyway moving on <laughs> well jake i think that's a good place to end it you think so all right i think just with this this video game podcast it makes sense to end on the the emotional video games absolutely and this has been a long emotional conversation with you so it's, it's been it good has been. i guess to wrap things up this has been a very good conversation i wonder if people listened or if they're just like ah oh, they're just talking to each other about their own stories <laughs> that's not important to me anyway um <laughs> so jake we've done it we've gone a year or more more keep going (laughs) yeah it's it's been a while it's your birthday coming up yeah everyone message jake tell him happy birthday and uh we are almost done here with season two actually this is our penultimate episode next week is going to be our special gamecube finale season two finale so hope to uh speak to you again next week about uh finale stuff i look forward to it It'll be a fun one. It will be a fun one. So, Jake, thank you. This was very good. Just to talk about random stuff. Yeah, just to record a good conversation and reminisce, as we usually do, reminisce very well about the fun, good old <laughs> days. And even the good uh, the good days to come, the good new days. So Exactly, exactly. So, everyone, thank you so much for listening. Please give us a review and uh, make it five stars. And we'll appreciate that. We'll even say your name right now if you had left us a review. So maybe in the future we'll say your name. (laughs) So my name's Cameron. And I'm Jake. Have an awesome, great, nerdy week. Minasan, sayonara. (laughs) Yeah.